Hello and welcome to episode 246 of section 138. I'm your host, Mark Colley, as always, joined by Bryson. Bryson, happy new year. First time recording in 2023. How are you? Doing good, Mark. Welcome back for you as well. First episode of 2023. Should be an exciting year. Uh, the last time you were with us when we recorded, I remember opening up the, or I guess when I started talking about Carlos Correa and how he all of a sudden is a New York Met, and then all of a sudden, it's still not official, <laughs> and then now we're hearing he might go back to the Twins. So, I mean, that's the one thing that hasn't changed since we've... Uh, Last recorded is his sweepstakes, but it's just a, what a drama scene for him uh, this offseason. Of course, the Jays make moves as well, which is why we're here today to talk about it, and uh, it should be a fun one. Yeah, the the Correa stuff is wild. I mean, I've heard people saying that the Mets are just doing it for leverage to get the deal decreased. I've heard people speculating that the Mets were never intending to get the deal done, and that Steve Cohen is just kind of doing it to play around and get some good image out of the Mets, and then... I don't know. It's a wild situation over in Queens, and who knows? Maybe the Blue Jays swoop in and sign him on a, whatever, one-year $35 million deal, and he comes out next offseason and tries to rebuild his image. I don't know what's going to happen with him, but certainly wild for him. But the question I want to ask you to start off with is how long you think you can say Happy New Year after the New Year until it becomes kind of weird. I think it's around like two weeks, so I think I can, especially since we haven't spoken face-to-face, in 2023 and I think I can still say happy new year to you you know yeah that's completely fair I think probably really around the 10 to 14 day window as well maybe even yeah. a little bit before that but again it makes sense we haven't recorded since the 22nd of December when you were with us and then of course we recorded a couple of days later we still haven't even gotten your thoughts on the Dal- the <laughs> Dalton Varsho trade yeah. so I guess you can give your thoughts on that as well at some point but yeah so I would say around 10 to 14 days I think that's acceptable okay Good. I'm glad. Yeah, we'll get to the Varsho stuff later in this episode, but we'll start off with Brandon Belt because that's obviously why we're talking today. And the Blue Jays signed him to a one-year, $9.3 million deal last night. We learned of the deal first from Susan Sluisler of the San Francisco Chronicle, later confirmed by a bunch of reporters. And then we got the $9.3 million figure from Shai Davidi of Sportsnet. The deal is expected to be announced Today, as we record this on Tuesday, January 10th, um, apparently he's already completed his physical, which, as we've learned with Carlos Correa, is obviously a big part of the process, and especially for someone like Brandon Belt, who underwent surgery in September for his knee and has been plagued by injuries recently. That is a key cog in the process for someone like him. Um, Just starting off, what are your thoughts on him? How do you... I, I guess the biggest question for me is how you see him fitting in with this team, because obviously... Like, we see the Blue Jays go out and they spend, what, $8 million on someone like Kevin Kiermaier, and they come out and say he's got the starting center fielder job. And then at the same time, they spend $9.3 million on Brandon Belt, and there's no way he gets a starting first baseman role, right? The Blue Jays have one of the best first basemen in the game in Vladimir Guerrero Jr., so it seems like right now he's going to be a bench piece. We know he plays some left field as well, so maybe... He figures in in the outfield a little bit, although the Blue Jays still have Whit Merrifield in the equation, so it's a little bit complicated to see the situation filling in there. But, you know, bottom line, we know he's a left-handed bat. He has the potential to contribute offensively, even though he hasn't really done it over the last few years. So if he can stay healthy, if he can produce consistently, I think he'll be a valuable piece for the Blue Jays on the bench. But I don't think it's immediately clear his 
position with this team. Like, I think there's going to be some give and take in spring training and when the season starts to determine just how frequently he's playing. Yeah, this this is something where I think for majority of the offseason, we've kind of all teased this, and it's just, this is another name that the Jays go out and get that I don't think any of us really had on our radar. I mean, there's been lots of buzz, of course, of the remaining holes that the Jays need to fill uh, in terms of like a fourth outfielder, maybe a fifth starter, and everyone has their own, I guess, player wish list, and people talk about it all over social media, or if you just hear people talking about it in general. And I didn't think I saw one person named Brandon Belt coming to this team. And I mean, in their fairness, this was something, again, that kind of just caught us kind of off guard. But then when you look at it, you can understand the fit that he has. And this really, truly could be a solid depth piece signing. And of course, we know Brandon Belt spent majority of his career, or pretty much all of his career, sorry, with the San Francisco Giants. And then for most of the part, he's been productive. Of course, he was part of a couple World Series teams on that team. And then all of a sudden, in 2022, he deals with a lot of knee issues. He has a down season. And that was pretty much the sum of it last year because of his numbers really dipped uh, last year. Uh, and that's for, for what happened with the season. Uh, again, he wasn't healthy. And he pretty much, I think he only appeared in about 78 games. I think that was the number I saw. So he's coming off knee surgery. He has to prove that he's healthy. That's number one. And of course, that's one of the main reasons or the one or the main factors that will be, you know, or will determine if this is going to be a good fit or not, or if this will work out or not for the Jays because of that. So we all, the what the one part we know about him so far, he's a lefty at bat. That's the one thing that, of course, everyone's, I guess, acceptable of right now with this team because of the lack of lefties that they had going into the offseason. Of course, they've addressed that so far with a couple of additions outside of it, with, of course, with Kiermaier and Varsho, and now you bring in another guy. But, of course, the real question, like you said, Mark, is where does he fit in this lineup? Because, of course, you did mention that the outfield part where he has played outfield in the past. However, I believe it's been a couple years since he has been there. Uh, he hasn't been in the outfield st- since 2019. So, I don't know necessarily how much we're going to rely on that. Of course, there's a possibility. I'm sure they've possibly hinted that, you know, there might be a scenario or two, maybe not a lot throughout the year, but maybe a few times where we might be in a pinch and you might need to go in the outfield. He's done it before. And of course, with his knee issues, of course, he spent majority of his time the last couple of years at first base and now coming over or since the universal DH has become official, he can be a DH in this lineup at any point. But again, where does he fit in this lineup? And really, you look at it in a couple different scenarios because, of course, you have the option now to DH him on days where Alejandro Kirk has to go behind the plate because, of course, there's lots of times where it's the other way around or maybe there's a rare occasion or I wouldn't say rare last year. There's a lot of scenarios where Danny Jansen and Alejandro Kirk were in the lineup at the same time. But in days where Alejandro Kirk can catch, uh, Brandon Bell can go in as a DH and, of course, against righties, he's going to most likely get a lot of at-bats as well. Um uh, for that reason alone. And then, of course, for days where Vladimir Guerrero Jr. needs a day off from first base, he can go there as well. And really, outside of those two possibilities or two scenarios, there really isn't much other room that I see. But, of course, if he understands what his role is to come over here off the bench, it is a solid bench piece. It's a solid depth position. As long And it just feels like this is another good example of somebody who knows how to hit off the bench, somebody who could be a really good option as well in the middle or later on in a game, even if he's not starting. So I really like the move because of that part. And it's just the different scenarios that you can have on this, of course. We know Alejandro Kirk as well in the second half of the season last year. He slowed down a little bit. And a lot of people were wondering if that had any sort of fatigue factor or if it was just something maybe beyond that. But if that was, if or if fatigue was a factor in that, 
you have to like the option of Brandon Belt being another possibility to help him in terms of a workload. And again, a guy that can DH and he won't, he likely won't, won't see a lot of reps against lefty pitching, of course, for that reason alone. And the other part too, and this comes with every lefty at bat in the major leagues is that we all know the shift is going to be restricted in 2023. That's one thing that you can look at as well as a positive for somebody who basically for his entire career has probably been shifted on pretty much every single at bat. Now he gets to come over here as well in a hitters-friendly ballpark. Not as much of a shift to go against. And you really like this move for the Jays, but the main part or the main factor and scenario with this is if, if he's going to be able to be healthy in 2023. And he's going to have an opportunity to do so getting $9.3 million over the course of the year. Yeah, that's obviously the biggest question because you look at the stats and he hasn't really had a full healthy season since 2019. I mean... Yeah, like 2020, you can, I guess, throw that in there, 51 games, but I kind of write that off as, you know, we don't really get a full sample size. It's two months of a season. You don't really get an indication of whether he'd be healthy over the course of the season. And then 2021, 97 games, 2022, only 78 games, of course, shortened by the knee injury and then eventually surgery in September. So going back to 2019 is kind of the last full sample size we had when he had 156 games and you know it was a good season by him it was an OPS plus of 97 he batted a slash line of 234 339 403 and then he's also got some power in his bat we know that he had 17 home runs that that year and then going back to 2021 this is maybe the most impressive stat that a lot of people are relying on is the fact that he hit 29 home runs in 97 games in 2021 which is just ridiculous you know that's a absurd rate for especially someone who's 33 years old and maybe you know if he's playing that amount of games again you know assuming he's healthy for 162 filling in off the bench getting a start here and there maybe he can recapture some of that power and and offer that for the Blue Jays so but I I think the workload is going to be the key component of this not just in keeping him healthy but also like you mentioned the flip side of it like Vladimir Guerrero Jr we saw when Vladdy wanted a day off which again is rare but sometimes he would get off his feet go to DH the alternative at first base was basically Kevin Biggio and in a worst case scenario Lourdes Goriel Jr and Obviously, Guriel is not going to happen now that he's been traded, but it was not a great situation. You're having two people who are not first basemen fill in at first base, and that was never going to be ideal for the Blue Jays. And now they have someone who is a first baseman who will be filling in at first base, and I think that makes them a lot deeper. So, yeah, it's a good deal. I I mean, I don't see anyone criticizing this deal. The Blue Jays aren't investing a lot in him, and I think if we get – the bounce back that he could have in 2023, we're going to have a really good season from him and the Blue Jays are going to be a lot better because of it. So I think that combined with a couple of the other moves that we've seen, like the Kiermaier moves, the Varsho moves, the Blue Jays are a lot deeper a team today than they were at the start of the offseason. Even you look at the rotation and the bullpen as well. I think Eric Swanson being factored in the bullpen and then Chris Bassett in the rotation, just building out the depth a little bit. I don't think it's quite where we all want it to be, especially when it comes to the bullpen. I think there's still moves that need to be done there, but I think the depth is shored up a lot over the past few months. Absolutely. And 
I agree with you in terms of the bullpen depth and of course the fifth starter stuff is still we don't really we still don't really have a clear sense of that in terms of if that's something that they're really prioritizing to fill in in terms of that but I think another reliever though you can definitely see the opening for the chance that that is still in play here and I do think that there's a a really solid chance they can do that I know they you know they haven't done too much too much ever since. Obviously, getting Eric Swanson, of course, there was a, the recent Junior Fernandez or Junior Fernandez claim that they got off waivers from the Yankees. A lot of people that like his upside on that, but it's you know he was lost in the the shuffle because the Yankees were only trying to make or they were trying to make room on the forty man roster, and then that's of course why the Blue Jays claimed him. So who knows if that's going to be another situation uh, in terms of where he fits on the forty man roster? That's one move they've made. And of course, there's a couple other stuff that they can definitely revert to, um, and there's still some names available as well. So you you see how they've improved offensively, and it really. And I go back to what you said at the end of the season, and you you had the key phrase of diversifying the lineup. You really look at it now, and I guess I'll ask you first of all if you think they've done just that, and second of all, you can definitely see the change that there is though in this lineup in terms of what they've done. Of course, getting not only getting these offensive pieces, but of course also prioritizing defense and the key or the the run prevention word from Russ Atkins that we made fun of the last time you were on, but they really. It feels like it's a quiet, quieter offseason for them in terms of names. But at the same time, and of course, this was before the Varsha trade especially, but it, at the same time, when they're making these moves, it, it really does feel like they're significant um, and they could really pay off as really well for this team. And a lot of people believe that this lineup is a lot deeper than it was last season. And that's why, you know, as much as last season was obviously a really good team who fell short in the playoffs, it does feel a little different uh, in terms of what they've done this offseason. And it, it seems like it's heading in a good direction. And you got to feel good about where this lineup does stand uh, as we're about a month away now from spring training starting, or at least pitchers and catchers report beginning. And of course, we know that the starting rotation with Chris Bassett was also addressed, uh, getting one uh, another starter that they needed. And of course, the fifth starter spot, once again, we don't know exactly where things stand. And then even on top of that, um, when you look at bringing in Brandon Belt, and then of course, I mentioned the fact that he hasn't played in the outfield in a couple years, there still is an opening for a fourth outfielder position. I know that we, I know Jacob and I, the last time we spoke about the Varsho trade saying, you know, there may be one more outfielder and then they can kind of call it in terms of where they stand offensively and maybe revert to pitching. They bring in Brandon Belt, who is again, a really good fit, but something that we weren't expecting. And at the same time, once again, there is an opening still potentially for a fourth outfielder position. And if that's not fulfilled, I'm not saying it has to be fulfilled, Whit Merrifield's obviously a really solid candidate to be in, involved in that. And then when you look at the infield now, with Brandon Belt coming over, it seems to be a little bit of a logjam between, again, Whit Merrifield, Santiago Espinal, and Kevin Biggio. So there might be some other cards here that still have to fall uh, in terms of where this lineup definitely sits, and especially off the bench. Because off the bench now, I don't know if you see the same thing as I do, but I'm just see- I'm seeing a little bit of a logjam between those three players and there still is the question if they could go out and get another uh, fourth outfielder and then this fourth outfielder doesn't have to be a lefty anymore I mean they fulfilled what they had to do this guy can easily be a right-handed hitter if he ha- if they want and I just I wonder if that's something that they're still going to go out and get and at the same time how do they plan on addressing it I it's not too much of an issue but I just seem that again there's a little bit of a logjam with that I was wondering if you see the same thing yeah I I definitely think there is. I don't know if it's a huge problem for the Blue Jays, though. I think 
it's pretty easy to manage. Like you look at the depth chart now when it's, you know, some of those guys that you were mentioning, Biggio, Espinal, Merrifield, and Otto Lopez are kind of the four guys that are, I guess, below what you would call starting level. I guess either Merrifield or Espinal are going to be at second base every day. And then I, I guess the way that I see it shaping up now is that you stick Espinal every day at second base. Merrifield is the fourth outfielder, whatever. Merrifield fills in at second when he's not starting the outfield, whatever it is. And then your bench, I guess, including Brandon Belt, is Biggio, Belt, and then Lopez, maybe. I don't know if there's going to be room for Lopez on the Major League roster. He's on it right now, but who knows whether that's going to stay. And, of course, spring training is going to change all of this massively. But I don't know how much of a problem it is for the Blue Jays. Like I, It's fair. Yeah, I, I don't know if I really see it as a problem. Yeah, no, it definitely isn't. And it's a good problem to have, though, of course, if they do see it as one. So I, I just, it just shows again how deep this lineup has truly gotten throughout the course of the offseason. And these have been moves that have been quiet leading up to the Dalton Varsho acquisition, where you really got to have a, you really have a good feeling of where things currently stand. And then, of course, we know, again, shifting back to the bullpen, I think a recent name that we've seen you know, the last couple of days, but there hasn't been a lot of steam with it. Maybe a little bit more recently in the last few days is Alex Reyes. I don't know if you've seen the same thing, but of course he was a guy who missed all of last season, but there's high upside in terms of getting somebody like that. And apparently, you know, there, there seems to be interest in that. I don't know if how likely it is or how true it is, but of course that's just one of many outfielders or sorry, outfielders relievers that remain available out there. And of course that's something again, where you feel like there's leeway, for them to get possibly another guy before spring training begins, but definitely an interesting situation or not a situation, but an interesting position the Jays find themselves in, um, in terms of where they do uh, sit offensively. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I want to talk about another reason why I like the Brandon Belt trade. And this is kind of a trend that we've seen the entire offseason. I guess this ties in with the Dalton Varsho trade as well. It's the impact on the clubhouse. And I never gave my thoughts on the Dalton Varsho trade, but I think the fact that they traded away both Teoscar Hernandez and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. in the same offseason, as, as well as hiring Don Mattingly, to me it indicates that they are trying to change the makeup of the clubhouse at least a little bit, change the dynamics of how this team plays. And, I mean, you saw it. The Blue Jays were a sloppy team. Like, I... <laughs> There's no other way to stay it. They're a sloppy team, or at least they were. You know, you see the two culprits being Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and Teoscar Hernandez making mental mistakes on the base paths or, you know, seemingly not sprinting out a, a ball in the gap in the outfield. And, you know, I was never one to take huge issue with it, but it is annoying to watch these mistakes happen. And I think trading those guys away is a big part of the equation and then bringing Brand, Brandon Belt in and then as well as Kevin Kiermeyer in two kind of older guys who have been there before and done it before at the major league level. Kevin Kiermeyer being to the World Series with the Tampa Bay Rays in 2020, Brandon Belt winning the World Series with the San Francisco Giants in 2012 and 2014 and then making a couple of runs at it a couple other seasons and of course, you know, just being in the majors for 10 plus years since he made his debut in 2011. I think adding these guys represents a bigger trend for the Blue Jays this offseason which is trying to build out the experience on the team, build out and change the culture in the clubhouse. And 
I like it. You know, I like teams having fun. I don't think that's a thing about the Blue Jays that need to change. You know, there's a lot of people out there who say, get rid of the home run jacket. It's stupid. <laughs> get rid of dumping sunflower seeds at the end of the dugout. It's stupid. Get rid of the barrio. Get rid of all that stuff. And I'm not a proponent of that. I think the fun stuff is great. I think the Red Sox shopping cart in the dugout is great. I think all these celebrations in the dugout, on the field, and the culture that baseball has become fantastic. I'm not complaining about that. What I'm complaining about is what we saw in 2022. And part of the reason why Charlie Montoya was fired was kind of that lack of accountability, that lack of yes. responsibility in the clubhouse. And I think those two things are mutually exclusive. I think a lot of time fans want to say that they are the same thing, the celebrating, the having fun, and the accountability are the same thing. I think they're two different things. And I think the Blue Jays are addressing the accountability and responsibility um, in adding Kevin Kiermeyer, in adding Don Mattingly to the coaching staff, and now adding Brandon Belt, because I think those guys have been there before, they've done it before, they know what it takes to be a successful team, and they've been at the majors for 10, 11 years in the case of Brandon Belt. And this is something I said when Charlie Montoyo was fired. I thought that that was the wrong move. I thought that, you know, perhaps. We can look back at it now and say that I was wrong to think that, but I thought that what they needed was a player who would provide that level of impact, that level of veteran, been there, done it before, know what they're doing, no crap, they're going to get it done, they're going to be out there every day doing their work. And Marcus Simeon was kind of that side of things in 2021. They lost him and they were missing in 2022 and they decided to address it by firing Montoyo. I think adding Brandon Belt, long story short, adding Brandon Belt makes it so that they get this sort of veteran impact that's been there, done there before, knows how to win at the highest level. They get that back in their clubhouse. So I think that's going to be a positive impact for the Blue Jays. I think that's probably the biggest positive impact of adding Brandon Belt, you know, past the left-handed on the bench, past the you know, added guy at first base who can take away a, a bunch of work from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I think the biggest impact Brandon Bell is going to have on this team is the fact that he's won a World Series before and he knows how to do it. And I think that's kind of what was missing with the Blue Jays last season. I do wonder a couple things. Number one, if the home run jacket's going to be back. And number two, if Don Mattingly... I don't think the, the jacket I, yeah. will be back. Honestly, I, 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 I'm with you on that one. And if it is back what Don Mattingly would think about it. I just, it's (laughs) obviously we know the way he is. He's an old schooler and there's nothing wrong with that. There's no way he would like that on his team if he was the manager, but of course he's not. But I honestly, I really don't know about the home run jacket, but I'm in your shoes at this rate. I just, I don't see it coming back either. Of course, of the change that they've gone through. And it's interesting you bring this up because the last episode when it was Jacob and I, I mentioned that to Jacob at the end. I asked him the question along the lines is, do you see some sort of correlation here with who left, what came in, how they're changing it, Don Mattingly, everything like that, if it's a coincidence or if it's just the Jays simply improving their ball club? I think Jacob just said it was sim- simply improving their ball club. I was kind of 50-50 on it, and the more I think about it now that we're a couple weeks after the trade is I do think there's something there, and I agree with what you're saying is I think – as much as the team was likable, as much as a lot of people were are still are very upset with the trade with Lourdes Gurriel Jr. in particular, something had to change. And I'm fully along the lines of it. I understand a team can have fun. And of course, the sunflower seeds and all of everything like that. 
But we saw how last season ended. We saw with what they had, it didn't work. And there was a lot of flaws that were exposed in those short two games against the Mariners. So coming into the offseason, I think it was this conversation that we had really early on, way after the loss, to possibly expect some changes. And I think maybe that kind of was a little bit more than what we were expecting from what we've seen this offseason. Because think about it. This is a contending team now who still have playoff expectations and still are a top team in the American League East. You usually don't see contenders like this do these types of moves in terms of moving two key pieces uh, in your starting lineup, in your clubhouse, in terms of the culture and everything like that. Those are two guys that are gone. And that's Teoscar Hernandez, Lourdes Curiel Jr. It's just... It, I, it was a little bit more than what I was expecting, to be honest with you. I think we were all expecting at least one guy to go, and that was the one question you asked in terms of who's the Blue Jay that is most likely to be gone, and we I'm pretty sure it was you and I recording that day. We both said Teoscar Hernandez. It just If you were going to ask me it was going to be Teoscar Hernandez and Lourdes Gurriel Jr., I would have called you crazy. I don't think I would have believed it for a second, but... When you think about it now, you're bringing in Dalton Varshow, you're bringing in Brandon Belt, of course, who had the nickname of being the captain of the San Francisco Giants, who's been there before, who's done that before. The same thing with Don Mattingly, who's coming in, who's going to help John Schneider. Kevin Kiermaier is all business. We know the way he is. We've known him very well from his days with the Tampa Bay Rays. It is, and you can't deny the fact that this is a bit of a culture change. This is a bit of a message, I think, as well, that the front office is sending this team, and, and especially to the core players, that we need to get something done. Things need to change. We need to be better in the playoffs. We need to get to the playoffs. We need to be that team that people take seriously. And it just, unfortunately, it was looking good as the season ended last year. And then, of course, we know what happened in those short two games. But it just, to me, it definitely feels like a message as well that the front office did send to the players, again, for the core players. And it it it's truly going to be interesting of how this is all going to transpire in terms of what I mean in the dugout. I mean, we're going to see a little bit of it during spring training, but of course, not every game's televised, and you're not going to really have a lot of, I would say, dugout access um, other than a pitcher coming out in the first inning and then doing a sports set interview if the game's on a Saturday afternoon uh, in Dunedin. But other than that, you're not really going to see much until really the regular season begins in April. And then I guess the behavior of the dugout because again we know how I guess the culture was in prior years it's just something that for the first month of the season for sure it's going to be catching my eye in terms of how everyone's kind of behaving and of course the early signs early on is this home run jacket going to be back we likely know the sunflower seeds the whole that whole thing probably won't be back because Teoscar Hernandez was the one who was doing that the whole pirate celebration I guess after games how different is this really going to look? And I do think that there is something there in terms of who left and who came in. And this has to be a little bit of a culture change, I think. As much as this team loves to have fun, as much as a lot of people do not like the move of sending away Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and Teoscar Hernandez, I think the better part in terms of having fun is winning games. And I think that's all that's going to matter, especially when the time comes where that's going to be a deciding factor late in the season. Yeah, I think I was kind of like you. I was on the fence of whether... Like 50-50, was this because of the culture? Is this just a good deal? And Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is on the final year's contract, et cetera, et cetera. But then I think once you start to zoom out a little bit and see that, yeah, the Blue Jays fired their manager halfway through the season because of, quote-unquote, not enough accountability in the clubhouse and people not happy with the way things were being handled and people making mistakes and not being held accountable for it. And once you consider that as well, I think it's concerted effort by the Blue Jays and 
We'll see how it pans out. Uh, you know, we entered this offseason talking about how we needed a big change, and the Blue Jays have kind of, you know, I don't know if you want to use this word or not, but I'm going to use this word. It's been kind of a rebuild for the Blue Jays. It's been like a mid-competitive rebuild in terms of trading away two of, I guess you could call them faces of the franchise. Like, maybe not that level, but, like, you talk to people who aren't, you know, hardcore Blue Jay fans, and they probably, like, the the people they mention are Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, and then, you know, maybe Alec Manoa is in that conversation now, but I think Teoscar Hernandez and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. are the two other guys who they mention. And so, I don't know. To me, it feels like kind of like it, it's a changing of the guard for the Blue Jays, and we'll see how it pans out, but I think it'll work for the better for them. Um, all right, that's all I got. You got anything else you want to mention before we wrap it up? I guess the only thing I'll ask you was earlier on, and now that we're kind of behind, I guess, another addition, obviously, and of course the Varsho trade you finally got to somewhat share your thoughts on, is this lineup diversified for you? Yes, it is diversified, at least more than it was at the start of the season because you have Varsho who's going to be starting every day and he's a lefty and he you know, has really good offensive numbers, really good power. Um, and then you also have Brandon Belt, who's going to be coming off the bench as a lefty. Is it diversified enough? I think is a different question. I would still like to see them go out and get some speed. I don't know how realistic that is at this point in the offseason. And to be honest, no one's really valuing speed at this point in baseball. So I don't know how realistic it is or how much in line it is with current baseball trends, but I think that's something I'd like to see them do. They don't really have anyone. I guess like if you're talking about pinch running late in a game, at this point it's probably Kevin Biggio who's coming off the bench and pinch running, and it works. I just, I don't know. <laughs> I'd like to see someone a little bit faster, someone with elite speed, but I know that's not totally realistic with the way baseball's played right now. But uh, yeah, I it definitely is more diversified than it was at the start of the offseason. And I guess Kevin Kiermeyer helps in terms of that, in terms of getting speed like you were mm-hmm. talking about. That's a start for sure, but I, I think I know what you mean more of, com- of course, somebody coming off the bench and all of that. So I think we're probably, us, we're probably in line for a couple more episodes until spring training really gets going. So it's going to be, it's nice that we're into the new year now and we're getting closer to that point where we can somewhat build a routine again in terms of recording consistently and having spring training to talk about as much as we'll get bored of that after probably a week. It'll be something, but we are getting closer to the season. You can definitely start to feel the the excitement and us starting to crave baseball again. I know we've kind of talked about that, especially over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it's definitely building a little bit. We've turned the corner We're now closer to spring training than we are to the final day of the Blue Jays' unfortunate last season. And we are very much looking forward to, I guess, it's like about a month from now, I guess a month and five days-ish that pitchers and catchers will be reporting in Dunedin, Florida. So we're looking forward to it. We'll be back hopefully soon with some more news or some more stuff to talk about. Um, As always, you can support our podcast um by finding us on social media that's at section 138 pod we're on instagram twitter and tiktok uh you can always rate and review our episodes and our podcast on spotify apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen just help spread the word about what we're doing so we'll be back next time we have something to talk about as always we'll catch you there. Give me the night.